amen. What a beautiful picture of the very thing that, we're, that we've been talking about, and that is making disciples. Uh, that the, the church is, is meant to be multiplied in the earth. Uh, we see in the book of Acts, the church growing and multiplying, the disciples are added. And that's what we're believing is that this would uh, be something that catalyzes more disciples of Jesus that are, that are being made. And so what an exciting opportunity to be a part of as a church family. Thank you for praying for them with us. And uh, my name is Travis, lead pastor here at Antioch. And we're continuing on today in a series uh, that's, that's tackling uh, uh, an issue that's a big rock issue for us. And uh, it's something that we, we care deeply about, something that God has called us to as a people, and that's to make disciples. It's one of those big rock issues that we, we continually come back to asking critical questions of ourselves are about, are we being effective at this? Are we honoring the, the biblical mandate that we have to make disciples? And, and, and in our context of a, as a church, uh, are we doing a good job at this? And, uh, and the Lord, again, is, is bringing us to a place of, um, of, of doubling down on our, on our, uh, on our, desire to to be a people that make disciples. I think in many ways the, the church in the West has, has not done a great job at, at reproducing through the making of disciples. We have an overarching kind of discipleship plan, but uh, how, how many of us would say that one of the, the big rocks in our lives is the, the making of disciples and that's who we want to be and that's the direction we, we want to move in that way. And so we want to invite you into that. We're gonna invite you into that and not that you have to walk out of here feeling like, oh, what am I supposed to do or how, what is that gonna look like? Uh, but, but rather, we're, we're actually starting from at a, at a life group level doing uh, more, we're gonna be having more discipleship groups that are rolled out and that, so that over time uh, that we begin to see that the, this, the power of disciple making taking place in the way that we're being transformed at another level uh, and the, in the way that you are being empowered in some simple ways to, to be about disciple making wherever you go and wherever God has already placed you. And so uh, we're really believing that. Now, that's not gonna happen on a Sunday morning. I think we know this, but, but sometimes we, 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 because of the, the culture that we live in, in, in the, the Western church, we think that disciples are made on Sunday mornings, and that's just not the case. Uh, that, that's not the, the biblical precedent for disciple making is that you come to this big gathering and, and if you come to enough of them, then you are a disciple. That's not what that model looks like uh, scripturally. So it, what we're gonna be doing is taking a few weeks to talk about disciple making and, and, and the, the goal in those three weeks is not let, that you would become a, a disciple who is making other disciples, but rather that you would at least get the biblical underpinnings and conviction that while wow, this is something we've gotta figure out, something we've got to be about and, and figure out how, how to make it a, a significant part of our lives. Because as we know um, from Matthew 28, it is the, the commission that we've been given by Jesus himself. And I just want to read that for us, just like we read it last week, uh, so that we, so we can kind of come under the authority of Jesus and receive his authority to go and be about making disciples. So this is what it says in Matthew 28, Verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this is the, the commission that we have been given. And it's why it's important. It's why we come back to it on a regular basis. Are we fulfilling the commission that the, are we, are we taking the authority that Jesus has given us and doing with it what he desires? And so it's a, it's, a, it's a valuable question for us to ask. And so the way that we're tackling that in just a few weeks on a Sunday morning uh, is that, that these first couple of weeks, this being week two, we're, we're talking a little bit about uh, more about what it looks like to be a disciple so that we can know then what it looks like to make a disciple, to be a disciple maker that's pointing to Jesus. And next week, the third and final week of this, this short series will be some more about the practicals of how do I then go and make disciples. And some of the things we'll be talking about will be some of the things that are, we're, we're rolling out in our, in our life groups and in, in some disciple making groups that are getting going and that we hope to, to multiply moving forward over the next uh, next several months. And so uh, we're, we're excited about that and excited uh, about the place that we start. Last week, we simply talked about enjoying and following Jesus. Just the, the enjoyment that comes with following him knowing him. We talked about uh, being connected with God, uh, an, an individual that, that listens to God and talks to God, that really there, there's, there, there's life lived out in that personal relationship with God. There's constant communication and enjoyment of one another, recognizing that God enjoys me and I enjoy him. And, and today we're going to talk about the overflow of a life lived in enjoyment with God. And that's a, a life that is, is partnering with Jesus to do kingdom work. It's a life of obedience. One of the things, and you, if you've been coming here, you, you know, you, you may not even recognize it or see it as you walk in, but the words that you see in, in the lobby of, of the church are a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. It's kind of like a, a tagline for us as a people, who we want to be. We want to be a people that have a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And, that, and that's kind of what's being described here in that there, that, that, that what we talked about last week was we just so enjoy Jesus. We so love him and want to be with him, uh, that there is a, a passion that's stirred up in our heart in the natural overflow of a passion for Jesus is that we're, we want to be about the things that he's about. We want to be about his purposes. What's on your heart, Jesus? And, and that's what we want to be on our heart. Where are you going, Jesus? Because that's where we want to go. What are, what are the things that you're, you're wanting to talk about? Because that's what we want to talk about. So there's this natural overflow that, that leads to a joyful obedience. Sometimes I think we hear that word obedience and it's like, oh yeah, there's things that we should be doing. I know that I, that I ought to be doing that or you know, could be doing more of this. And, and obedience can feel a little bit like a, like a drudgery, but that's not really what we see as the, 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 uh, a biblical obedience. There, there's something of an overflow that we continually see. And, and I want us to, to get a picture of this by turning to Isaiah chapter six this morning. In Isaiah chapter six, we have uh, uh, 
but one of many examples that scripture provides of, of, an, of an individual having an encounter with the Lord that causes them to have an overflow of, of obedience, okay? And so I just wanna read the story of Isaiah and, and an encounter that he had with God that caused him to move to that place. It says this in Isaiah chapter six, beginning in verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings and with two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet and with two they were flying. And they were calling aloud to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth, is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my lips and said, see your sin is taken away, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So we have this picture here of, of a man who sees the Lord. He has a vision of the Lord high and exalted. He is undone by this vision and recognizing the holiness of God. We, we had a, a, but a fraction perhaps of a moment like that this morning singing those very words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. You, there, there is no one that compares to you. You are holy, you are set apart, you are other than. And so Isaiah is having this moment in the presence of God and, 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 it, and his glory like fills the temple and the, the temple is the, the threshold and the doorposts shake and Isaiah falls to his face and he, he, he calls out judgment upon himself. Woe to me. The, the funny thing is in Isaiah chapter five, he's just been calling out woe or judgment on all these ungodly nations. But now in light of the, the glory and the perfection and the holiness of God, he's saying, oh, woe to me. Who am I? I? I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. I ought not to be seeing the Lord God Almighty. And yet God sends an angel and this angel brings a coal from the fire from the altar and, and he touches his lips and with it he's purified and he's cleansed. And so now here is Isaiah and he moves, if you, if you will, he moves from the position of I'm unworthy, I can't be here, I shouldn't be here to a, to a position of God saying, no, this is exactly where you ought to be. And he doesn't negate the fact that, that Isaiah is unworthy, that he is a man of unclean lips. But what he does is says, but I'm going to cleanse you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that you are valuable, that you do have worth, that you have purpose, you have calling. And so that worship of uh, just, just overflows in a place of gratitude. Like I am unworthy, but he has cleansed me and he has made me whole and, and, and I'm here in his presence and it's the place that I wanna be and it's the place that he wants me to be. 
He's not saying, yeah, you are, you are a sinner. I want you out of here. He's saying, yes, you have sinned, but I'm, I'm making you new. I'm cleansing you. And so Isaiah is, is having this encounter with God the truth of God and the way that God sees him. And then it's, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like Isaiah overhears this conversation in heaven. Most people would point to it and say that it's, it's, it's Trinitarian language being used because God says, who, whom shall I send? And then he says, who will go for us? And so it's like this conversation amongst the Trinity of like, how are we gonna see the, these plans of God go forward? How, what, what's gonna be, who, who's gonna be the ones that go for us? Who's gonna be the mouthpiece? And, and Isaiah is overhearing this coming out of having this encounter with God. And what, is, what does he do? He's like, here am I. Like, hey, I'm right here. Like, I can hear you talking. I'm here. If you need someone, I'm right here. Send me. And he doesn't even know what it is. He doesn't even know what's going on yet. But he's had such an encounter with the living God that he's like, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, and, and sometimes when it comes to things of obedience, we're like the opposite. Like, oh, God, don't pick me. Don't. Don't, don't pick me. Like, you're like, my hand is not raised. Like, they're really good at sharing the gospel. Like, they're bold. They're, like, pick them. Like, and, um, and, but here, when it's the overflow of walking and enjoying Jesus and encountering God, it's like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, I'm right here. Like that, and that's such the opposite, right? Often uh, of how we feel about obedience, like, okay, God, I will if I have to. I know I should. And we, we, we've got to move out of that understanding and reality of, of how we view obedience in, to the Lord into the place of there's something that God wants to do in us that would cause us to be like, ooh, send me. I don't even know what, what you got going on yet, but I, I want in on it. I want in on a God who has done what you've done in my life. And I want to be wherever you are. And, and I want to be about whatever you're about. And so there, we, we see this happening in the life of Isaiah. It's this cry of here I am, send me. And I think it's the cry of the one who has been with Jesus. It, that's truly been with Jesus. That has encountered him and that walks with him. And, and, and has fallen so in love with him because you've been so set free by his love for you that you're just like, here I am, send, send me. Like I, I am in, I am available. I, I am eager to be about the things that are on your heart. It's the cry of the one who has tasted and seen that he is good. I think biblical obedience always flows out of the place of love and delight, not shoulds and ought tos. A biblical obedience flows out of a place of love and delight. And if we're not in that place, we need to take that step back and say, God, I, I, wanna, I wanna be in a place of enjoying and following you. And I want that to be the overflow. One of the ways that we see that is in 1 John chapter 1. I love how it describes it. So you have John, the author of this letter, that's a, a man that's walked with Jesus. And, and this, is what he, this is how he describes all that will come in this letter. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched that we proclaim concerning the word of life. So again, he's talking about a life impacted by Jesus. He, he, he actually walked 
physically with Jesus. And he's like, everything I'm about to tell you is things that I've seen with my eyes, things that I, I, I have touched with my hands, I've heard with my own ears. That's what, I, that's what I'm proclaiming to you, that this life appeared, that we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then there's verse four that is what I really wanted to get to. It says, we write this to make our joy complete. We don't write this to make your joy complete. We, we want you to know about this, this, this man that's changed everything, but we're writing this to make our joy complete. That, that they're, they're, in writing this, in the, the life that, that John lived, there was certainly things where he was obeying scripture. He was obeying commands that, that, that Jesus gave him. He, he was doing things that were modeled by Jesus that were entrusted to him to, to, to model to others. He was doing those things, but he didn't see it in light of obedience. He saw it in light of his joy. Like my joy is not complete until I walk this thing through, until I can tell others about it, until I can model what's been modeled, until I can obey. But again, he's not thinking about it in like what I have to do. It's like, no, my, it is my joy. My joy will not be complete. It will not, I will not find satisfaction until I can give this away, until I can walk with Jesus and the things that are in seeing kingdom work established on the earth. Because that's what Jesus was about. It's what he talked about more than any other thing was the kingdom of God. It's what he came to usher in, this kingdom of God. And it is our joy to walk with him and seeing the kingdom released. I want to invite Sharika to come on up here to the stage with me. And, uh, and it has been an, an honor and privilege for me and for, for many of us to, to walk with her, a woman of God, for the last decade plus, uh, 11 years, there it is, and uh, to see her continually grow in character and wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And I wanted her to share a testimony uh, about exactly what we're talking about that she experienced at the end of, uh, at the, end of the spring. Yes. Thank you, Pastor T. You're awesome. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share again. Some of my life group is here and I'm like, they've heard this testimony a few times, so I'm sorry guys, but <laughs> bear with me. Um, and some of you were at the mission night as well too. So, but God is so good. It's worth testifying over and over again. Um, so um, last year, um, a lot of you know, I have a dance business called Radiant Dance Center. It's a faith-based dance center that merges faith with movement. Some of my dancers are in here. I see ya. Um, but last year I felt the Lord calling me in a great measure to pursue that more full time. But as I began to send out registrations to parents to sign their kids up for my class, I felt this unsettledness in my spirit. I'm like, what is this? Um, I was so excited. God, I know you've been calling me to this for years. This was a long awaited promise I've been believing for. Why all of a sudden I'm taking this step forward and now I'm feeling this like stop. And so I began to seek the Lord. I sought counsel. I prayed with friends and I really felt really like soon that the Lord was saying, actually, I don't want you to move into it full time yet. I actually just want you to take um, a few girls and invest in them and just dance with them. So I had to put a pause on my business. And so I was holding faith in one hand and disappointment in the other because it didn't make sense. I was like, God, I obeyed you. I did what you told me to do. I quit my job. And now you got me out here looking crazy in front of these parents. Um, 
So then I was like, well, I got to pay bills because that's the responsible thing to do. And so I was like, what can I do that's flexible while I still seek the Lord on what he's actually calling me to do? So I began to substitute teach in a school in Phoenix, which is a public charter school. It was very disorganized and chaotic. The environment was crazy. A lot of the kids come from broken homes, similar as myself. A lot of them mom and dad in and out of jail. Um, parents would show up to the driveline high on drugs, and some of them live with grandma. So very broken um, backgrounds. And these were these beautiful third grade, third graders that I got to teach math and science to. Some of you didn't know, but I'm really good at math too, not just dance. Um, <laughs> newsflash. <laughs> Um, and, I'm, and I'm just letting you know, when God calls you to something, he will give you the skill set to do it. And so I showed up and I began to substitute teach for uh, about three weeks here. But I noticed that the school was so far. It took 30 minutes to get there, 30 minutes to get back home. And you guys know traffic is crazy. And so I was like, God, I can't do this much longer. I was like, I'm going to say my goodbyes to the kids. The third week happened. And I'm like, I'm going to say my goodbyes. I'm like, Miss Daniels, love you. It was an honor meeting you. Um, but Miss Daniels got to go back to a school closer to her home. Um, and so the kids were bawling. And I, I one kid said this and it stuck with me. He, he said, Miss Daniels, I'm going to try not to cry. He said, Miss Daniels, people always leave us. And he cried. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, Shrika, you can be a part. I'm inviting you to be a part of changing the narrative of these kids' story. They always have people showing up and then leaving. He's like, I'm going to give you an opportunity to step in and speak identity and truth to them and love on them for this year. And so I was like, okay, God, I'll obey you. I'll do it. So I ended up being their teacher all year around. And um, it was an awesome year full of many memories. I got to speak identity. I got to love on them. I got to um, teach them math. A lot of my kids were super smart, but just needed a, a consistent teacher there to help them with the skill sets. Um, and so we spent lots of time having fun. Um, and then as the year um, came to a, a close, I felt the Lord, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Sharika, I want you to share the gospel. And I go, God, you know, this is a public charter school, right? You know, I'm not supposed to be doing that. But I was like, but guess what? I think I can do it the second day before school ends. That way, if they fire me, I don't have to come back. I wasn't planning on coming back anyway, so let's do it. So I did it the second day before school ended. And so throughout this time, I didn't realize that what God was developing trust with the kids, the kids were, they were trusting me and they called me mom and um, they, you know, Every day I would come in, they would come and hug me. Or, you know, even times I'm like, okay, you can't hug me like that. Just a little side hug, but you can't hug me like that. They just um, felt the love of God through me. And so um, I began to share the gospel. I had my life group pray with me and I shared the gospel with these kiddos. And I did an illustration of me being Jesus. And then there was a kid here and a kid here. And one of the kids were representing sin and the other kid was representing God. And I talked about how Jesus died for our sins. He died for all the bad things, the lies, you know, bad people, you name it. And I try to make it um, in a way that a third grader mind could, could grasp, you know. Um, so I try to make it very simple and childlike. And so I talked about how when sin entered the world, it separated us from God, but Jesus came to die for our sins. And so therefore we can now become best friends with God because of Jesus and his sacrifice. And thank God some of my students actually went to a Sunday school on Sunday. So they actually knew the story. So they was actually helping me preach. So I was like, God, thank you for that. And so I began to ask some questions like, 
who knows who Jesus is? And they were, you know, he was the son of God or like he died for our sins. So I was like, great, they understand. So I kept going. And then the Lord told me to share my story as well, too. And I talked to them about how I come from a very similar broken background as them. You know, my dad wasn't in my life, a lot of domestic violence, drugs, all of that. And how I am where I am now because of God. I was like, it's not because Ms. Daniels was super smart in math. It's not because she had good looks. It was because her faith in God. Yeah. Because they, they thought I was the smartest person in the world, even though it was just third grade math. They have no idea how easy that is. But to me, they looked at me like I was a genius. Yeah. To them, I was the smartest woman in the world. But I'm like, it wasn't because Ms. Daniels was smart. And it's not because of her looks. It was because of her faith. I got here because of my faith in God. And I said, I want to let you guys know that Ms. Daniels cannot leave. If I say I love you, I cannot leave without sharing to you the most important gift that I've received. So I shared the gospel. And then we, we did the prayer. We did the prayer that's based out of Romans. If you confess with your heart, believe if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So I did that with them. I told them there was no pressure for them to do that. Um, but 18 of my students gave their life to the Lord that day. Um, yeah, praise him, praise him. Um, thank you, God. Um, and in that moment, I was just bawling and I felt the Holy Spirit said, Sharika, don't forget to tell them that I'm the one true God though. So then I had to add that. I went back in and I was like, I just want to let you guys know there is no other God. Jesus is it. So if anybody tell you anything else, they're lying. Jesus is it. He's the way. And then one of my kids say, he's the way, truth, and the life. I say, hey, man, yes, he is. Come on, somebody. I was like, yes, he is. And then one of my girls was like, well, that means I don't have to pray to my crystals anymore. I said, no, you don't. You throw those things away. You got Jesus now. <laughs> you have Jesus now. You don't need those crystals. Um, and so we, we ended up praying, and I pray that they will encounter the Lord. I pray that God's love will just wash over them. Um, I pray that they will know who they are, that, you know, just everything the, the Holy Spirit led me, and I spoke over them. Um, and then at the end, I was just bawling because I was like, this is a full circle. I was like, I was eight when I was exposed to the gospel because I come from a family that is not walking with Jesus yet, but I was exposed to a couple at when I was eight and I had to grow into that decision of obviously following Jesus. So I believe they will. Um, and just the lesson that I, I think I would like to encourage you guys in is um, God wants us to be be obedient. And our obedience is not just for going overseas. It's for now. And whatever occupation you find yourself in, whatever sphere of influence the Lord has given you authority in, every day wake up and say, Lord, how can I be a part of what you're doing right here, right now? Because God wants to move in and through you. And another thing I would encourage you to is don't overthink. Don't overanalyze. When God tells you to move or go pray for someone, just do it. The more that you analyze, the more you're going to convince yourself and talk yourself out of obedience. Don't do that. You just go for it. And I heard God say, share the gospel. And I said, okay, we're doing it. So just want to encourage you guys. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. I think there, there's a picture there of the, the joy being completed, right? Like there, there was the, 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 completeness of joy in the Lord comes when you you're walking with him and the things that are on his heart. Um, and I want to just share a, a couple of more things here as, as we close. Um, and and the, the, the first thing is this. Um, 
God is inviting us into things. And I, and I even loved how Sharika described that. Like there was an invitation to stay because there was something he wanted to do there. And she had an, she had an invitation to that. And, and there's a, a little prayer that we've been using that we, we picked up from uh, some good friends of ours. Uh, and it's called the Include Me Prayer. It's very simple, um, a little bit of a tool, but really more of an, an idea or a way of thinking. And, and it just is this, God, would you include me in what you're doing today? It's really very simple, but I think it really captures uh, the idea that we're talking about around the idea of obedience flowing from a place of walking joyfully with Jesus. And it's like, Jesus, what are you doing today? And can I, can I be a part of that? And so it's not the God, you know, what, I, what should I do today? God, who do I have to talk to or what? It's just like, would you include me as I, as I walk through today? And, um, and so we were uh, going through a, a little bit of a, uh, we were going through a disciple making group where uh, it, we were practicing obedience because that really is a place that we're gonna be emphasizing more than ever before because again, looking at the, the overall context of the church in the West, obedience is not our strong suit. We, we, we like to learn, we like to hear more and gather more information and have discussions, but we're not always super great about taking the word of God and, and obeying it and allowing it to bear fruit in our lives in that way. And so it's something we feel like to be a disciple of Jesus is to obey him as we go and to obey him is a joyful journey. And so, um, but I was in this class, sorry, in this little group that we were meeting week to week. And so we would share the following week what uh, our, how we obeyed. And, and the week before uh, we had been introduced to the include me prayer and just like, hey, just want you to, as you're going about this week, just say, God, include me. And, um, and, uh, and so I realized a, a week later, the morning of, that I was gonna be in that discipleship group call that, oh no, I'm gonna be, they're gonna ask me if, I, if we had done that. And I hadn't done it. So I, I was going to the gym that morning and I was like, okay, God, include me. And it really is such a beautiful freeing kind of prayer because it's already, already is, it is our heart, I believe, like we want to be included in the things that God's doing. And, uh, and so what I found for me was something just very simple happened where usually I, I'm on a time crunch, want to get in and do the thing I need to do. And, and so I can get to work and whatever, uh, where I don't, I don't really want to be bothered with conversation or talking to someone else. It was actually like, oh, I, I need to get out of my narrow focus, what, I, what I'm trying to get done and just, God, what are you doing? kind of get my eyes up a little bit. God, what are you doing? Would you include me? And there was a guy uh, that I'd probably seen a dozen times in there uh, shooting hoops in the, in the gym. And, um, and he always wears headphones. So that's like the universal symbol of like, please don't talk to me, right? So I've never talked to him before. Um, but I was like, okay, I feel like God's saying, hey, why don't, why don't you just introduce yourself to him? Like, uh, like I want to I wanna move, move in his life or whatever. Like, and so uh, I went up, hey, how are you? And he's like, what? what? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of got to press through the headphone thing a little bit, but, but he, he pulled it back off the ear and, and we got to chat for a few minutes and got to meet Adrian and hear a little bit about his life and where he works and his family. I've seen him a couple times since. And, um, and so there's no big dramatic testimony there, uh, believing for, for opportunities to, to pray with him and different things. But, but it's just the, this place of God, would you include me? Would you I not just be about the things that I, I have on my mind and that I, I have to get done, but would you include me in what you're doing? And what a joy there is in simply doing that and obeying and positioning ourselves in a, in a right place before God.
because we're, we're, we're removing the, the mindset of, uh, of what his, his commands or what obedience, uh, where that flows from. In 1 John 5, 3, it says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. So the way that we love God is to keep his commandments. The way we demonstrate love for God is to keep his commandments, but then it follows it with this, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, so we, we've, uh, we've maybe missed that. And um, where we think, oh, the commandments of God, like, oh, okay, yes. What, what, what am I supposed to be doing again? Tell me, remind me, what, you know, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Come to church to get what we're supposed to do and not do right now. His commandments are not burdensome. If, if the commandments of God, if the, the place of being obedient to God is burdensome, we, we gotta take the step back. And say, I just want to walk in, in, in a place of enjoying Jesus and enjoying following him and being with him. So that then the include me prayer is the very thing that I want to express. And I want to be about the things that he's about. That his commandments are not burdensome. It's so critical to our understanding of obedience. The final thing I'll say is this out of Deuteronomy 10. Verse 12 and 13 says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Not only are the commandments of God and the places of obeying God not burdensome, but they are for your good. They're for your good. And, and some of the testimonies that we often share often have to do with like Sharika's testimony of sharing the gospel or, or my, my testimony of just like trying to be aware of people around me and being kind and introducing yourself and uh, just seeing other people and, and looking for opportunities to, to share the love of Jesus. But, it, but, and that's for our good as well. That's where our joy is made complete. But um, We've also been doing this in our staff meetings where we're just saying, God, uh, how, can we, how can we obey you? How, would you include us? God, what, uh, we're, we're doing the discovery Bible studies and, and then saying, God, how can we respond to your word today? And so one particular week we were uh, reading the story of Jesus calming the seas as all the disciples were uh, calming the seas as the disciples were all in a boat together. And, um, and so afterwards, we're just, we're having some discussion around that. And then God, what do you want me to do with this? How can I put this into practice? And, and for me, he was specifically talking about peace. Um, and because in, in my life, in our schedule had been just crazy and erratic and uh, felt like there was no, no downtime. We, Joy and I were having a hard time finding times to connect. And it was just like, this is, this can't go on. Like we got to figure something out. And so that particular day, like, okay, what's my I will statement is what we were, what we call them is like, I will do this. Like this week, I want to, I want to be about obedience to the word of God. And so, um, but that week I like God actually just said, I want you to do a, a, a word study on peace. And so like, oh, praise God. Like, that's good. Like, I, I want to do that. I need, I need that. Um, get back to staff meeting next week. Oh, we're, we're sharing like, hey, who had the opportunity to, to obey what God was speaking to them? I'm like, oh, I forgot. I never did the word study on peace. Uh, next week comes, oh, 
I didn't do the word study on peace. Why didn't I t- just take the time? Uh, another week goes by. I'm like, I actually have, I'm, I need to confess to the group. Guys, I, Lord said to do this a few weeks ago and I still have not done it. Well, it wasn't for like two and a half months, seriously, that I actually obeyed God. And it was not like I was trying to disobey. It was just busyness and life and forgetfulness. And, and actually, I think as a, as a culture in the church, just a, a general lack of uh, attention to being an obedient people. And it's not always like, okay, go share with this person or you gotta do this. And it's like, oh, fierce, I'm a little scared, but okay, God said it. It's just like, actually, it's just for your good. And I did, a, I, did a, I did a word study on peace and on the shalom of God. And it was so sweet. It was like the peace of God just enveloping me, learning more of the nuance of peace. And I, actually I shared about it in the service just as a side note. And uh, it sounded really cool. Oh, my pastor did a word study on peace and he's got this cool revelation, but it's actually it was two and a half months delayed from something God was just trying to help me in because I couldn't find peace in my everyday schedule. And, and, and God's wanting to give us that. That, that's the, that's the, the, the beauty of, like, of, of obedience is it's not just like, okay, God's got all these things he needs somebody to do. It's like, no, it's because he's interested in our good. And so his commandments, the place of loving him and obeying him is for our good. And so in that way, even in our obedience, we're receiving from the goodness of God. So Lord, we thank you for the joy that is found in walking with Jesus. We thank you, God, for the, for the privilege it is to know you. We thank you, God, for your embrace of us in our mess, in our, our slowness to obey. We thank you for the ways you've pursued us. And we're asking today that there would be such a joy in knowing you that it would overflow in obedience, in a joyful obedience, in a a people who lean in to be not only hearers of the word of God, but doers of the word of God. And in that way, God, that we would experience life as the people of God. And in that way, there would be more people around us that experience the life that's found in Jesus. And so Lord, in this time of response, we just bring ourselves to you. I wanna invite you to stand with me. And as we do each and every week, we, we find it so valuable to, to carve out a time of responding to God. And it's actually perfect in, in explaining that today because it's, it's the, the, the value that we have on not just hearing something, or or hearing a teaching or hearing a truth from the word of God, but allowing it to sink in so deeply that there is a a response of our hearts to it, that there there is action taken, that there is something laid down at the feet of Jesus, that there is somebody that we go and we have reconciliation with, that we come forward and we receive prayer, that there is something activated in response to the the, the living and active word of God. And so um, our ministry team, you guys can come on up here. We'll be up here in the front. One place of response is just coming forward for prayer. If you need prayer for anything, anything that's causing anxiety, any burden that you're carrying, we wanna be the church, the people of God that go to God, that come together and believe for one another, that bear one another's burdens. And this is just one uh, opportunity that we have to do that. So I wanna encourage you not to leave this place 
if you've got a burden that you're carrying without receiving prayer today, I'd also encourage and challenge any of you who, as we've talked about this morning, the joy that's found in knowing Jesus, and that's that's something that you don't have, something you haven't experienced, and you wanna know more about how can I come to know Jesus in that way, in a personal way. Know today that the arms of God are open wide, that his mercy and his grace is available to you, that that his love is extended towards you and that he's inviting you to come home to him. And we would love to talk with you and pray with you about how to have a relationship with Jesus. Just come on down and you can talk to one of these guys up here in the front and as always, the the floors open up. There may be some that need to come and just repent for lack of obedience or finding the places of God's commands, a a burden and saying, God, I I just, I lay that down. Some of you may need to come and just say, I just need to experience the the joy of following Jesus again so that the the, the following of his commands would be an, uh, an overflow of joy. But whatever it looks like and however you need to respond, please don't leave this place without responding to God.